Praise the Lord and welcome to the Men of Valor podcast. This podcast is for you, ever young apostolic Pentecostal man that's trying to live for Jesus in the 21st century. Join us every week as we have guest speakers discuss topics that will help you effectively serve God and accomplish His purpose in your life. I'm your host, Henry Flores, and I'm so excited for today's Bible study coming from my good friend, Danny Ziprick. Danny Ziprick is from the Texaco district, and I met him at David Jennings live recording too. Really nice guy. I mean, this guy is anointed, humble, and he's awesome. Just an overall great guy. I, uh, I am so excited for y'all to hear what word he's going to bring to us today. Um, I know it's going to help you. I know it's going to minister to you the same way it ministered to all of us that were there that night. It was such a great night and a great experience. So why don't we jump right into today's episode? teaching so I'm gonna kind of be talking to my guys and I'm also gonna guess I'm gonna look at the laptop but uh, I love what Henry's doing here man just sharing of the word man I've actually been praying my biggest burden uh, that I've been praying for and that God's really been dealing with me my kid my youth kids and a lot of these guys in here aren't youth kids they're actually like like 18 19 years old so they're coming out of youth and now they're they're interested in, in the deepening of the word and I believe that's accomplished in Bible studies. I believe that Bible studies are so essential to the growth of a young person and to actually not even a young person, a Christian just overall. You have to have familiarity with the word of God and you have to be uh, arms in arms with other people who are also hungry. If you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you are hanging out with people who are hungry for the things in the word of God, bro, you're hungry and you're your desire and your appetite are also going to be to the things of God. But if you're hanging with people that are lukewarm, it won't be long before you're in that same place. So I love this because Henry is going out and he's grabbing people from all over and he's getting them, hey, you're hungry, I'm hungry, they're hungry, let's get them together, let's be hungry together. And uh, iron's going to sharpen iron. So I love what you're doing, Henry. I just want to make sure I, I say that before I do anything. I want to give honor to my pastor, Jonathan Neely. He is just amazing and uh being the shepherd of, of my soul. Uh, I'd like to thank the team that I have, that I'm a part of, uh, which consists of John and Sam, Patrick, Isaac and Sarah Neely, Keter and Alexis Perry, Gabriel Santos, who is here, Tyreek Williams, who is also here. That's a sweaty back guy. And uh, Madison Royer. <laughs> so I, anytime I go out to preach, anytime I go out, whether it's uh, preaching at church or even just a local gathering, I always honor my team uh, because even though they may not be here visible in front of you guys, without them, youth ministry that I do here and ministry in general would not be effectual. Uh, you, you know, preaching and teaching in front of people, it's about 1.0823% of ministry. All right. It, it is not a very large part of ministry right. if you're involved uh, in your local church. Um, so the rest of the ministry, you don't even see it. Uh, but the people that I just mentioned, they're doing that every single day and you don't see them every day, but they are doing ministry every day. So I honored them. Uh, because they are involved in the ministry. I'd like to take a few moments just to pray and just to welcome the Spirit of God before I jump into the Word. And uh, y'all pray with me. Pray where you're at. Um, and, and just 
because I'll put it like this, man. I can come in and I can give you some good factual statements of the Bible. I can come in and give you some good words. Uh, but if the spirit of God is not manifest, and a matter of fact, the Bible says that a sanctuary is the dwelling place of God's spirit. So the thing about that is, is that it doesn't matter what kind of room or what kind of circumstance, what kind of situation, whatever. If the spirit of God fills a room, that room immediately becomes a sanctuary, the dwelling place of God's spirit. And so the thing about it is, is I always, wherever I go, I want to create a sanctuary. And the only way a sanctuary is possible is when you welcome God's presence into that place. So that's what we're going to do real quick. We're going to invite the spirit to move and we're going to create a sanctuary and we're going to share some work. So help me pray. So Lord God, we just want to thank you today. We lift you up and we praise you, God. And we just ask, Lord, that your spirit will begin to fill this place, Lord. Your word says that, <clears throat> that your spirit, oh Lord, that the sanctuary is the dwelling place of your spirit. And that you inhabit the praises of your people, God, as long as there's someone who's hungry. As long as there's someone who's speaking your name. As long as there's someone who's lifting up praise. And God has a desire to know you. That's all it takes. If one person does that, your word says that you inhabit that place. And then your word says wherever you inhabit becomes a sanctuary. So even if I have one, even if there's two or three in agreement, God, and we shout and proclaim that your spirit and that your name is above every other name and there's none beside you and none above you and that we love you and that we want you here to dwell among us, oh Lord, even though we're in a home right now, it's nothing more than sheep, God, ceramic tile, God, metal, studs, oh Lord, and doors and, and chairs and sofas, oh Lord, that's all it is, it's just material, but the second the presence of God moves into this place, it becomes a sanctuary, Lord, and wherever the presence of the Lord is, there is peace, sound mind, and a spirit of liberty, oh God, it's the potential for somebody to receive the word, it's a potential for somebody to be loosened in their ministry, loosened in their mind, and to be loosened and cut away from the influence of sin altogether, God. It doesn't matter what it is, but as long as your spirit is in this house, it doesn't matter how bad or how great I do speak in the word of God, your presence is here, and it makes up for my lack, and it makes up for what I can't do, and it makes up for the words that I can't say, and it makes up for the prayers I can't pray, and the miracles I can't perform. Your spirit makes the difference. So God, I pray, Lord, Lord, in the authority of Jesus. Lord God, I pray your presence would dwell this place and dwell in this place right now, Jesus. In the name of God, we pray. God, I, I just ask it right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Better already. Praise God. All right. I was uh, discussing with Henry earlier uh, this week about the seasons of our churches. Um, Sometimes you go through different seasons of life. Sometimes your church as a whole goes through different seasons. Uh, and for our church right now, I was telling Henry, we are in the season of weddings. We are in the seasons of weddings. I promise you, bro, I have been to so many weddings this year alone that they're not even special to me anymore. Like, like, you know how weddings are like a great <laughs> gathering, bro? I've been to so many weddings this year alone, bro. They're not even special. We get done with one wedding, and then we all take a big sigh, and we just look at each other, and we're like, so who's next again? I don't even care. And we just move on with our day. Like, it's we, there's it's back to back to back. It's like every other month, somebody's getting married in our church, bro. It is the wedding season for our church, all right? So one of the young, one of the young guys who is, well, I shouldn't say he's young. He's actually on our, on our committee as well. I mentioned him earlier. He, uh, 
he got married as well earlier, of course, because, you know, season of marriage. Shoot. And so <laughs> this guy, he just happens to be one of the men of the wild. All right. All right. So he had this ingenious idea for his bachelor party, you know, since he's getting married. He wants to go on a camping trip. Okay. And unfortunately, I'm one of the groomsmen, so I had to go. So I did what any reasonable Christ-like man would do, and I prayed that the rapture would come before the camping trip, you know, <laughs> because I, I hate camping. <laughs> I hate camping so much. I'm a city slucker now, or slicker, whatever you want, boat, boat, whatever you want to call me. I, I don't want to go camping. So I'm like, God, just come back before this bachelor party, just come back. So I don't have to go on this amazing bachelor party trip. And uh, well, God did not answer my prayer. So here I go, full of reluctance to attend this camping trip on this bachelor party. And to my delight, no one was using the cabin right next to our camping site, right? So our campsite was next to a cabin. The cabin had AC, it had beds, it had a fridge. And uh, since no one was using it, we went ahead and took that. We went ahead and took that in the name of Jesus. And we got to lay our heads on some soft pillows. We got to be in some of that nice AC. And we did not go camping at all. We went glamping. We went straight glamping. All right. And looking, you know, at the tents and looking at everything that the men of the wild refused to you know, go glamping. They, they went there to go camping. So I'm out there watching them pitch their tents. I'm out there watching them, you know, do what they do. Be men of be men of the wilderness, all right. And as they're pitching their tents, um, I go and and I look at this tent and I begin to think of Christian living, and, and I begin to think what it means to be a Christian, right? What it means to be a Christian, which is the title of this whole Bible study today. And I like to think of Christian living in the sense of these tents that these men were making. A tent is a portable shelter designed to be built and utilized in a temporary environment. So all the systems, all the culture, and all the societies of the world, these are all temporary environments for the Christian. We are not permanent residents of this world. John chapter 17, verse 14 through 16 says, I have given them thy word. And this is Jesus praying over his disciples. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, I pray not thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am of the world. So, I'm not of the world. Jesus makes it very clear in these passages that if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a Christian, you are not of this world. You are in it, but you are not of it. <clears throat> so not to pursue. So God's mandate as a Christian is not to pursue permanent residence in the world. Not to pursue comfortability found in the excess of more access of more permanent shelters. We are not to try and make ourselves permanent homeowners in this temporary world. But we are to be tent dwellers in this temporary world. Right. Amos, uh, Amos, sorry, Amos, it sounds like Amos. Amos chapter 6, verse 1. 
He says, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Let's break that down. Very simple statement, but there's some powerful connections there if you make it up. Zion is the hill of Jerusalem on which the city of David was built. In the Christian's ideology, this is actually the heavenly city, uh, the heavenly city or represents the kingdom of heaven when people were to refer to Zion. But listen to what Amos is saying here. Woe to them that are at ease in a heavenly place. What's going on here? Look, even in the church, that is considered the right place, the heavenly place, the good place to be. Even in the church, what Amos was trying to communicate is that even in those places, as long as we're still on this earth, there is a danger that comes with comfortability. There is a danger that comes with being at ease, at being a permanent resident, at being at ease and comfortable with the lifestyle of this world. There is a danger. You cannot be comfortable, even in the church sitting on a pew. I know a lot, and I mean a lot of churchgoers and a lot of saints that are comfortable with where they're at. They will sit down on the pew in the back row. They will show up to the Wednesday and Sunday night services. They won't attend any of the events. They won't go to anything extracurricular. They won't show up to any prayer meetings or services like that. They will attend the two days a week, or sometimes you got, you know, what is it? Christmas, Easter only, the CEO, Christians, whatever, you know, and, and, and they're comfortable. And Amos was saying there is a danger with living that way. There's a danger with even if you're in the church, there's a danger with being comfortable. There's a danger with being comfortable. <laughs> you look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, we see that, that, that the mandate of a Christian, John states that a Christian is to reach the world, but not to love the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him, okay? Let's break this down. We are world changers, right? Not world chasers. God has made us creators, not curators, right? Wow. Amen. That's good. What it, That's what good. it means to be a Christian is that we go all into the world, but we don't allow, don't allow the, all the world to go into us. Wow. That's what it means to be a Christian. Why? Because here's the reason why. Because we are tent, dweller, tent dwellers and not property owners. And what that means is that we have to reach the world around us without abandoning the tent. We have mm. to reach the world around us without abandoning the tent. And there are too many Christians. There are too many Christians who have abandoned their tents and have taken up worldly residencies in hopes and pursuits of worldly relevancy. They have now taken worldly residence for worldly relevance. Okay? But here is the issue. When we take worldly or the route and the road of worldly acceptance, here is the problem. That same road is the road that leads to worldly affection. Wow. This applies to both the new converts and to those who are, uh, who are struggling you know, to, to, to pursue deeper ministry. To those who are new convert, converts and they're trying to fit into a new environment in the church. But this also applies to the one who is pursuing deeper ministry and deeper levels of God. And here's why. <laughs> because I talked to Henry and I said, what kind, what kind of people listen to this podcast? Is this mainly... 
uh, centered around people who are trying to learn basic doctrine and principles, or is this people who are trying to go deeper in the Word of God and, and increase in the ministry? And he said, well, we got a little bit of everything. So you know what? This applies to everyone. There is nobody right. that is exempt from this teaching today. Right. No matter if you're a new convert or if you've been in a, a seasoned saint and you're trying to go deeper in your ministry with God, this right here applies to you. Because of ministry and leadership, even if it's within the church walls, is tied to worldly acceptance, your pastor's acceptance, your, your, your co-church members' acceptance, your youth group's acceptance, your co-minister's acceptance. If it's tied to worldly acceptance, you are already have found yourself on the road headed towards worldly affection, having worldly affection. You've already found yourself on that road. You're already on it. You're already on a road that is on a collision course for, for destruction. If that's the reason why you're doing ministry, if that's the reason why you show up to church, if that's the reason why you pursue, then you're already on a road that's headed down the wrong path. <clears throat> the world will scream. And here's why. Here's why. And this is why you are on a road, road that you will eventually give your affection to the world if you're trying to be accepted by it. Here's the reason why. The world will scream that you are tolerant. The world screams for you to be tolerant. The world screams that you will be tolerant of it, but it would only tolerate you if you are in agreement with it. So the problem is, is that you cannot have the acceptance of the world. You cannot be accepted by them unless eventually you give them your affection. You have to become in agreement with them for them to tolerate you. And the only way you agree with them is when you're affectionate for them. And the only way that they'll accept you is when you're affectionate and you tolerate them so they tolerate you. Okay? You can't go down the road of acceptance without eventually giving them your affection. They're tied. They're interlinked. So what is John trying to say? He's trying to say that the Christian is not called to reach the world in pursuit of acceptance. We're not doing that to be accepted but rather to lead the world in pursuit of repentance. That's why we do this. That's why we do what we do. So how do we reach the world? That's the question. How do we reach the world and increase our influence without leaving the tent? To me, this is what it means to be a Christian. Influencing the world. Having that influence and having that ability to reach out, but still not lose the occupancy of your tent. This is how we do that. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2. Very good reference. This is short, sweet, and to the point. You want to know how to be a Christian? Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2. It's a simple answer. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen your stakes. Done. That's what it means to be a Christian. First thing Isaiah says about increasing your influence as a Christian is you have to live with the curtains open. I've got a couple of young people, all right, and they're young, and that's why I don't throw their names out here. So it's all right. I can say this. I got a couple of young guys that come around their phones. They don't want me to see what's on their phone. I wouldn't try. I got a couple of young people you start looking or prying into their life and forget young people. I know a couple of grown men who are Christians. You start prying around their life. They start shutting down some curtains. They don't my, my. They don't want you looking. And Isaiah is saying, look, if you're going to be a Christian, 
Forget that. If you're going to be a Christian with influence, yeah, just a Christian. Let's just go with that. If you're going to be a Christian, you got to live with the curtains open. Right. I have I have this rule on my phone. Everybody knows my passcode. Everybody knows my passcode. Why? Because I have a rule. I got to practice what I preach. Okay. Mm. My kids can get on my phone and they can search the internet. They can go search through the pictures. They can go search and they, they need to call their parents. I don't, I don't have to go look through my phone and make sure it's good for the eyes of one of my young kids to see before they, they go searching through it. Wow. Hey, sometimes you got to live with your curtains open. Sometimes mm. what it takes is that the world that we live in today, probably more than ever before, if, if I'm being honest, needs people who believe, preach, and live what the Bible says openly and for everybody to see. Amen. So what I like to say, and okay, this is what I like to say. Does it mean okay, this is a this is a this is a passage from the book of Danny. Don't don't so don't go writing this quote from this isn't Bible. <laughs> so just listen, just go ahead. This is a this is from the book of Danny, all right? I would like to say that Isaiah was trying to say if you're being a closet Christian, then that's no Christian at all. If you are a closet Christian, then you are no Christian at all. Because you've got to live with the curtains open. <clears throat> we must live with them wide open. The second thing Isaiah mentions is that a Christian who is trying to increase his influence has to lengthen the cords and strengthen his stakes. This right here, in my opinion, another adage from the book of Daniel, in my opinion, is the reason why the majority of young Christian men and women leave the habitation of their tent, leave the church, uh, is because of this right here. It's interesting that the lengthening of the cords is tied and connected to the strengthening of the stakes. That's interesting to me. If we're going to stretch out the influence of our apostolic habitation, if we are going to, uh, we must ensure that the foundation of our stakes are strong enough and deep enough to withstand the lengthening and the, and the stretching of the cords. Mm. Amen. Amen. The apostolic message, the apostolic lifestyle of holiness, the apostolic power to heal, recover, make new, and hold the apostolic authority over dominion's power and spiritual wickedness, that apostolic power, it, look, if we, if we, it, it will not move forward. It will not increase. You know what? Let me just say that if you aren't really tuned in or if you're kind of missing what I'm saying, uh, if you don't really understand what the direction of this, uh, this Bible study is for, or whatever the case is, this this is it right here. If I had to, if I had to dwindle my entire Bible study today, if I had to take everything I was doing and put it in one statement, all right, this is the statement. This is the statement right here. So write it down on your friend's back. Write it on the back of his forehead. Write it. Write it on the ceiling fan so that you can see it every night. Write it on the <laughs> back of your hand. Write it wherever you got to write it. But this is this is the one thing. If you leave with not one single thing from this Bible study, I want you to leave with at least this one. This is the only thing right here. All right. And it is that the footprint of apostolic habitation is not increased by going further. It is increased by going firmer. Apostolic habitation, the footprint 
of our apostolic doctrine, word, power, authority, dominion, healing, everything that comes wow. in are everything that comes within the footprint of our influence everything that comes within the messages and the preachings and the teaching and the prayer and the fasting and the authority that god has given you in the area that god has placed you in all that is not accomplished by just going further it's accomplished by going firmer and here's the thing the longer our cords are going to get the stronger our stakes better be that is the rule of any person that does any kind of foundational work is that the bigger the building, the stronger the foundation. The longer the course, the stronger the stakes. But here's the issue, and here's the reason why I say this is what gets more young people than anything else. It's because everyone is willing to be influential. Everybody wants to be an influencer. Everybody. And a matter of fact, you go look at the, at the, the historical lineages, the generations. You go look, it used to be that the generational, I guess you can take curse or the modern thing that everybody was seeking was wealth and prosperity. Yeah, you look at the times where the Great Depression, you look at the times where people had little to nothing and they were trying to survive. The one the, the, the common goal or the common desire amongst a generation at one point, the elder generation, would have been would have been prosperity and wealth. But you look at our generation. And you look at the generations coming up and even some of the ones that are were here for now a couple generations and you see that their desire is no longer wealth and prosperity, but it's to be accepted and to be an influence and to be loved and to be desired and seek, sought out. Everybody wants to be an influence. Everybody wants to be an influencer. So here's the thing. Everybody wants to be influential, but it's so difficult to find the ones who are willing to be foundational. It's easy to find, actually, it's so easy to find someone who wants to be an influence, but it's hard to find someone who wants to be a foundation. It really is. Even, I've even seen ministers, you know, who are my age, get involved with this whole ministry thing. And that's a loose term because now ministry can mean a lot of things. So, you know, but I've seen it. And these guys that are my age and they're pursuing, they did everything that they possibly could. Went down every route. They went, they went through the social media. They made the connections. They made the networks. They went to the Bible colleges. I've seen it. I've got a couple of friends. And the thing is, they, they stretched and they lengthened their cords as far as they possibly could, but never took time to strengthen their stakes. Never took time to set their foundation. And because of it, it was their collapse. Wow. Man, that's good. Mama. You have to remember this, that we are Christians. We're Christians. And sometimes God's methods are counterintuitive and not to your liking. Sometimes it's counterintuitive. Sometimes the success of the promised land is dependent on the 40 years of failure in the wilderness. Sometimes the promise of being the father of many nations is through a barren womb of a wife who can't even have children. Sometimes the miraculous power of everlasting life through salvation is through the creator robing himself in creation and being brutally slaughtered to death on the cross. Sometimes being a Christian is just counterintuitive. Sometimes it feels like you're, you know what? I, I feel the Holy Ghost when I say this, honestly, because I'm not even on my notes anymore. 
But mm. sometimes there's some of us who are probably listening to this, or maybe someone who goes out and listens to this later on a different date, who feels like you're not, you feel like Moses some days. You're not just in the desert, you're on the backside of the desert. And you're sitting here wondering, I thought you called me for greater things. I thought you called me to preach. I thought you called me to evangelize. I thought you called me to go out and be a missionary worker or, or go to the mission field or, or be a prayer warrior and an intercessor. And here you are in a wilderness and here you are on the backside of the desert or here you are like Jesus hanging on a cross. And before that moment, you were in the garden praying that God, please don't let me have to do this. I don't want to die, but you have to do it because you know it's what God called you to do. How do you find yourself in places where you don't even want to be? And yet, still the will of God. How does that even? I'll tell you how it works. Because sometimes when you're a Christian, it's counterintuitive. Sometimes you're moving backwards so you can go forward. Sometimes you're ripping up your foundation so that God can build a new one. And while you're ripping things up and while you're moving backwards and while you're lost in the wilderness and while you're, you're stranded in a desert, and sometimes when your family's sick and sometimes when people are losing jobs and sometimes when people are in a financial crisis of their life and they have kids and, wife and a wife and they don't know what to do and they're seeking God and they don't understand how they're a Christian if they're going through so much adversity. And the reason why is because God's way is sometimes counterintuitive. And what we like to do is we try to say, you know what? If I'm going to be a preacher, if I'm going to be an evangelist, we go ahead and we make our own road to success. We go ahead and we make those connections ourselves. We go ahead and we blast our social media accounts with every opportunity where people can see us preaching and people can see us praying for other people. And for, so that way we got that good image. But here's the crazy part is if we're going to take a, an adage out of the book of Jesus, Jesus actually tried to make himself a man of no reputation. And here we are trying to make a reputation, but we want to call ourselves Christians. Wow. Come on. Wow. Come on. Genesis Come on. chapter 13, verse 5. And this is what I'm going to end with. Lot went up with Abraham, had flocks, had herds and tents. His land was not able to bear them because they could not dwell together. There's too much. There's too much. You skip down to seven. There was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And then uh, Abraham says to Lot, look, you got to go. Don't want there to be strife. And then verse nine says, it's, you know, look, look at all you have. Look at the land before you. You go ahead and choose Lot. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Listen to this. <laughs> and Lot lifted up his eyes. This is what he was going to choose. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well, that it was well watered everywhere before the, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, and the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves from one another. Separated. Praise Jesus. Um, here's a couple points I want to make. And I'll be done. Uh, what Lot did tells the story of what many Christians do in our world today. Number one, he separated from Abraham because there was strife and a disagreement. Possessions were too great. Even still, Lot's greatest mistake. Lot's greatest mistake 
you might find yourself in a season where maybe people are calling you up and I'm speaking to new converts or ministers, whatever. Maybe you're getting the phone calls to go preach in one season. And if your pastor saying, look, there's some strife there. There's a disagreement. Hey, I know you've been looking for that opportunity. I know you've been feeling the pull and tug of God. But if a man of God speaks in your life and says, don't go. But you're so connected to the wealth. You're so connected to the possessions. You're not willing to let go of the strife between you and the man of God. So you go anyways. Mm. Look, I think about the relationship between Elijah and Elisha. Polar opposite, if you think about it. Elijah said, hey, back off. <laughs> Elijah was like, stay here, man. I'm going to walk over here. And Elisha was like, no, sir. No offense. No offense, pastor. No offense, elder. No offense, evangelist. Don't, don't get offended. I ain't leaving your side. I'm not going anywhere. And you know what? Elisha was the one that received the double portion. Because he remained with his proximity to the man of God in his life, to the foundation of his life, to the tent of his life. Wow. So here we go. Elijah and Elisha had a polar opposite relationship with Abraham and Lot. And here we go. And sometimes I've seen so many people leave the church, leave in offense, leave in strife, leave in disagreement. And at the end of the day, what I feel like you can pull is that it is our responsibility. As a Christian, it is your responsibility to maintain your proximity to the man of God in your life. It is not that man of God's responsibility. It is not your parents' responsibility. It is not your youth leaders' responsibilities. It is not your friends' responsibilities and your circle of influences' responsibilities. It is none of those people's responsibility how close you maintain your proximity to the man of God in your life, except yours. Right. Even if there is a problem between the two of you. Even if there is a strife. Right. Even if there is a possession too great and one has to let go of it or leave. Right. It's our responsibilities. And the second thing that Lot did, and I close, is that he looked for land that looked like Egypt. He looked for land that looked like Egypt. I'm going to say this right off the bat. This is about what it means to be a Christian, right? If you are on the walk of a Christian lifestyle, I am telling you right now that the most dangerous place you can ever be is the window seat of Christianity. The window seat of Christianity is the most dangerous place that you can sit in your relationship with God. Because let me tell you something. Even if you're in the right place at the right time, but you're constantly looking at the things that you don't have, and you're constantly looking at the world, this is why social media is so dangerous. This is, this is why social media is such a danger to so many Christians is because they're always looking at the things that they don't have. They're always right. seeing the, the highlights, the highlights of other people's lives. And they're always looking at the, 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 the tipping points of, of the people's lives. Where, and, and they're just, wow, isn't that great? Man, I would love to be somebody who's influential like that. Man, I would love to. And you, and you don't even know. And here you are on the window seat of Christianity. And the thing is, is that instead of focusing on where God's placed you in the will of God for your life, you're focused on where other people are at. And because you're focused where other people are at, the thing is, you can never have 
any kind of advancement or acceleration or forward momentum because you're paralyzed, because you're always looking out the window seat. And God is constantly trying to get your attention with the preacher and the man of God has to preach to you and get your attention. But then you go right back to that window seat. And then he does everything that he can. To get your, and the thing about it is, is that at the end of the day, we have to keep our eyes on the hill. Which come with our help. Your eyes are going to lead you. And so this is why, this is why, and again, this is closing. Being a Christian means having your foundation and identity in Christ strong enough, strong enough to where even if you went to go outreach and knock on the door that is the neighbor of hell itself, you are so firm in your foundation, strong in your stakes, lengthening your cords and influence, already made up in your mind and your ministry and your purpose and identity in Christ, it doesn't even matter. You can knock on the door right next to hell and still come back with the same conviction, the same identity, the same curtains wide open, and you don't risk a single bit of who you are in Jesus. Right, right. Praise God. Mm, Praise amen. God. And so... Really, I'm at the end of this whole thing, and uh, all I really have to say is, as we go out, as we go out, we're, we're Christians, and since we're Christians, let's make sure we know that. Let's make sure we know who we are. Let's make sure we know who we are. And anytime, anytime there's ever a question, anytime there's ever a doubt, let me tell you something. The reason why some of you are going through what you're going through the reason why some of you are on the backside of the desert and not just the desert, but the backside of that desert, the reason why some of you feel like you're in a pit, the reason why some of you feel like you're in a wilderness, the reason why some of you feel like you're being challenged by every adversity, by every sickness, and by every financial, the reason why is because God is literally taking somebody. You know what? Let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. Moses was put in the desert because he had to lead people through a desert. Moses was alone. He didn't know what his purpose was. He didn't know what to do before he was led to a cave. And he had a burning bush experience. And let me tell you something. The reason why God allowed him to go through such a desert experience is because God said, I'm going to prepare this man. When you look at the ministry that he had, I'm going to prepare him for a desert ministry, a wilderness ministry, by putting him through a desert in the wilderness on his own. What if Moses would have just given up? What if Moses would have lost sight of it all? And here I am telling you that whoever you are in the name of Jesus, don't lose sight of what it means to be a Christian. Because what a Christian can do is he can live through the challenges and he can live through the adversities and he can live through the wilderness in the desert. And then on the other side, guess what he becomes? He becomes the one that's leading people through that very wilderness. He was just lost. In. Wow. Praise God. Mm. Praise God. And that's how God works. Counterintuitive sometimes. Anyone that tells you being a Christian is the easiest thing on planet Earth, I have people that smirk at me when they find out I'm a Christian. They think my life is like every every stoplight is green whenever I'm going past it. And like 
you know, I just get bills in the mail and then another, you know, check comes in the mail right after the bill that pays off that bill every month. And so I got no bills, you know, cause I'm a Christian, right? You know, easy. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's not like that. It's not like that. Matter of fact, being a Christian, the Bible says, and this is not to ward off anybody. And this is, I re- this really is my last closing statement. It, that really what it means is as a Christian is that who much is given, much is required. Anointing comes with adjustments. If God is going to give you more, you got to give more. If God's going to give you more length in your influence, you got to have more foundation and strength in your states. If you're going to increase, you got to decrease. Wow. There's a, there's a counter. There's there's a counterintuitive motion there. There's constantly a level of spiritual increase and a level of humanity decreasing. And the thing is, is the further in Christ you go, the less reputation, the less of yourself, the less of your flesh, and the higher in Christ. And the thing is, that doesn't stop when you become a pastor of a church somewhere. That doesn't stop when you've reached that level of the title of evangelist. You're still on that road. You're still on that journey of increasing and decreasing. Your stakes may be real deep. It may be different. It's deeper than the guy next to you. I might look at somebody next to me and say, you know what? At least my stakes are a little bit deeper than his. At least my foundation is a little more firmer than his, so I'm good. No, you know, your, your greatest challenge and your great, the greatest challenge is yourself. You can't compare yourself to that guy because where God's taking you, you got to focus there. If you start comparing yourself, the Bible says that's unwise. It's a whole different jar of pickles. I'm not going to hold it. So anyways, but really that's it. That's, that's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a Christian. Open the curtains. All right. Open the curtains. Strengthen your stakes. Lengthen your cords. Keep your eyes on God. And whatever you do, stay in proximity to the man of God in your life. Foundation. So anyways, if there's any questions, comments, anything, I'm turning it back to Henry. Um, I would love to answer anything you guys have. If you guys have some questions, even if it doesn't relate to the topic of Christian living, or even if it doesn't relate to any topic whatsoever, uh, I'm more than happy to answer any questions, or if you guys have comments or just got a word of testimony, I'll I'll give it over to Henry. Wow. What a word, man. That was, that was powerful, bro. Seriously, man. I got to say, man, what, what it, what it means to be a Christian. You really narrowed that down. Wow. That was really good. And um, I must say, I, I do have a, I do have a, both a question and a comment. Uh, I would like your phone password since you said you're giving it out. Um, <laughs> and um, wow, bro, that, that, that was just amazing. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I talk too much, bro. So I'm going to let the guys uh, say something. If they have any questions, any comments, is there something you guys want to, add to it or say something um please feel free um because i i always wrap things up man i i talk a little too much so i'll be the last one man bro that was an awesome word i felt like it was for me i'm i'm in the very back 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 of the desert right now and um man it really encouraged me because i'm like like every door has been shutting down for me. I'm just like, Lord, make me, mold me. You know, what are you doing here? I, I don't understand, but I don't have to I don't have to understand. So 
man, I, I've been thinking about about Moses all day in the wilderness. So this is this was from God. So I I can't thank you enough for bringing the fire and the word, and uh, just lift me up in prayer, facing some crises. But um, what's your name, brother? Jerry. Um, so thank you, thank you for that awesome word. I really appreciate it. And uh, this this was from the Lord, man. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. God. <laughs> we'll, we'll pray. I don't know if y'all do closing prayer, but we'll lift up Jerry. And you don't even have to give us specifics, Jerry. But man, I think a lot of people, a lot of people know what it's like to be on that back side of the desert. You're not alone. And you know what's so powerful about the church is if don't, don't I don't know where you're I, have, I don't know anything about you, Jerry, but don't stop going to church. Do not stop going to church. Let me tell you something, man. The church is uniquely built by God. And here's the reason why is that what's so powerful about the church is that there's not one, not every person in the church is in the same season at the same time. You may find yourself in a place where you're being fruitful and multiplying and Man, things are awesome. And then you see somebody in the church that's going through something what you are going through right now. And what's so powerful is that you can be a light of God in that moment. You can be an encourager and you can be a prayer warrior because you know where they're at. And the thing about it is where you're at right now, this is where the enemy likes to put all his force, all his effort, everything that he can, all his weight. He is... Oh a roaring lion bro he's going to try and scare you he's going to send every bill in the mail he's going to try and deter you and guess what it's not the church's fault if you leave church bro it's not going to get better that's the difference between conviction and condemnation is that conviction gets you out of your hole condemnation just sinks you so deep in the hole you don't even you're so numb to it but you're so deep in it that's the difference between condemnation and conviction can condemnation takes you deeper conviction gets you out but they both feel horrible Oh. Both feel, that's a common denominator they both feel real bad and what you're feeling is conviction jerry and what you're feeling is the word of god trying to reach you where you're at and saying mm. you can still get out of this because i heard some hope in what you just said you can mm. still get out of that hole you can still get out there's still conviction there's still hope in the voice of my brother jerry i just heard it in his voice but the enemy is going to do everything he can to silence that voice silence that spirit of encouragement david encouraged himself in the lord Yes. Sometimes God might be trying to challenge you, bro. This may not be the first time you go through a season where you got to encourage yourself and nobody in the church walks up to you. Oh, I've bro, done it many you times. Can, <laughs> you can, you can make it, Jerry. You can do it. You may not get it, Jerry. They may not say it to you, but that doesn't mean you quit. Let me tell you something right now. There have been times in my life where I have needed the phone call from the pastor, the pastor's brother, the pastor's son, the pastor's son's nephew. I needed the whole church to call me. Because I'm in so much disarray and I'm and I'm so troubled in my spirit and everything's coming against me and then I don't get one phone call, I don't get one pat on the back, I don't get one good job, I don't get one. Are you all right? Not one. Because sometimes you got to encourage yourself. And whenever you see someone else, you're not going to be in the season forever here. You're not going to be there forever. You're going to come out. Well, I already know you. You're not going to be there forever. How do I know that? Because we've been there. I've been there. You're going to make it out. And when you do, guess what? When you see somebody else and they're in a hole that you see and you're like, man, I was there. You're not going to be silent like they were silent to you. You're going to be like, man, I've been there and I know what it's like when it's quiet. I know what it's like when it's silence. I'm going to go to them and say, hey, brother so-and-so, my name's Jerry. You don't know me, but I've been where you're at. 
and I want to pray with you, and I want to encourage you that you can make it. And that might be all they need to make it one more day. But who knows? Their deliverance might be one day away. You don't know. So, Jerry, be encouraged. Amen. In the name of Jesus, be encouraged. Praise <clears throat> God. Wow. Good spirit just kind of flowing in this place. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Is there anybody else, man? Because I just I don't want to stay in the flow. I mean, if no one says anything, I just I just feel a flow in the spirit already kind of taking over, to be honest. Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Man. Wow. What it means to be a Christian by Danny Ziprick. Wow. That episode was really good. I'm not going to lie. This guy really spit some fire, man. Those nuggets were good. Um, I cannot wait to upload this on the podcast and share it with the rest of the guys and with the rest of the world because apparently Men of Valor hit global. You heard that right. We're we're all over the place now. Let's uh, spread the word of God. Well, the podcast is all over the place now. Um, <laughs> so that's great. Um, I can't wait to hit more countries and I can't wait for God's word to spread. That's the whole goal of this, to help others not just men, because apparently 30% of the podcast listeners are women. So not just men, but women also learn some nuggets and hear the word of God through this podcast. So thankful for it. So thankful for Danny, man. He's such a great guy. Um, So blessed to call him my friend and everyone else here. Um, As always, if you guys have any prayer requests, any specific topics y'all want to talk about, Y'all know y'all can just DM me, so DM me. (laughs) Uh, Y'all can just send us direct message and we'll be here um, praying for y'all. I love every one of you guys. You guys are awesome. Uh, May the Lord bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you. God bless you guys. Ciao.